Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. A very good morning to you and thanks for joining us. This is your favorite show, Beyond Governance, at 101.9 High FM. It is my pleasure to share this space and time with you, the beloved listener of uh, the show, as we debunk mostly dilapidating leadership and management issues that are confronting both public and private sector organizations. The yearning to interrogate economic and social manifestation of poverty and inequality is fundamentally about the need for a deeper philosophical uh, questions on institutionalization of destitution. How did we end up here? How do we account for islands of success in the sea of abject poverty? The case in point is the national shutdown called by the unions. We have heard through a plethora of media outlets that the trade union federation, COSATU and SAFTU, have called, called on all the non-essential workers to strike today on Wednesday, the 24th of August. To this end, the protest action is planned for most provinces, which thousands of people expect to, to participate. Meanwhile, government has warned that participating public servants Will not be paid for for the day that was not you know work that was not done. On the other hand, the voice of organized business through BUSA suggests that the shutdown will further damage the economy. BUSA's supposition through the CEO Cascovalia suggests that Labour should have used the Netlet platform to engage on issues which they are not happy about. That that's their position. Based on this overview, one can conclude that the trust level has either diminished or is diminishing. It makes a logical sense, therefore, for unions to appeal to would-be prospective constituencies as unemployment is sitting at 45%. In the same vein, one would argue that it is illogical for, for unions to assume that government will create jobs or should create jobs. We all know that in a capitalistic or liberal environment, the posture assumed by government is that of creating an enabling environment for business to invest. When all is said and done, we should not lose sight of the racial and gender dimension of unemployment. In South Africa, the richest 10% of population own more than 85% of household wealth, while other half of the population have more liabilities than assets. It is therefore common cause that destitution and chronic poverty has a black face, which must be addressed. These are some of the contradictions which political leadership are found wanting as they are engrossed in court battles, which do not necessarily address the plight of indigent people. It is evident that the islands of prosperity amid subject poverty are simply unsustainable, and we need to do something drastic about it. If you miss any of our show, not to worry, simply visit our website, which is www.hifm.com, retrieve any podcasts, interrogate it and share. As always, I'm happy to engage your thought process via our SMS line, which is 34519. Before we start the show, it is customary for us to express the gratitude to the producer of the show. Musima Singer, thank you very much for your diligence, as always. In today's conversation, we are, we are shining a spotlight on a newly established rating agency for the continent. This, in my view, is a material for board, board room discussions, business schools, and business schools as well. It is on this basis that we invited uh, Mr. Zulibanzi Mazia, who is the founder COO for the newly established entity, as well, which is called Sovereign Africa Rating Agency, as well as John Foster, 
uh, Pirelli, who is an executive director at the Hindu Business School. We are also anticipating to be joined by Professor Bonongo Hale, who is the chairperson at Bidvest Group. Gentlemen, without any waste of time, let me take this opportunity to welcome you on this glorious morning. Such a pleasure to be here. Important, important conversation. Thank, Thank you. you very much, John. Thank you for the meeting, Nimrod. We will have a fruitful discussion. Uh, let me first maybe start the question with you, Mr. Mazia. What is the core business of generating of the rating agencies from your perspective? So generally, credit rating agencies provide uh, creditworthiness opinions on the rated entities, and this could include corporate companies, financial institutions, including insurance, uh, as well as governments and uh, sub-sovereigns as well, uh, such as metropolitans. So generally, the business is um, it's that when these uh, entities want to borrow funds from the debt capital markets, they are issued with this credit rating report, which they can then present uh, to potential investors who can then see their ability to actually meet their financial obligations. So in essence, that's that's the business of uh, a credit rating agency. Well, thank you very much for that, John. Your overall assessments of the credit agency and a spoon side of things. Uh, yes, they're interesting entities. You know, they're making judgments on the investworthiness of, of, of economies and countries. And there's plenty of argument is that they are not uh, fully understanding of uh, the issues of developing countries. They are biased towards what we would call the weird countries, Western, educated, industrialized, rich, uh, rich and democratic and also, they have no real oversight. There's nobody to call them to account. So while they offer a good service in some respect, in other respects, the argument is they may even provoke the very crises saying may happen. So a controversial area. Thank you very much. I'm glad you raised those two uh, issues, uh, geopolitical uh, consideration, but as well as governance issues. We will interrogate those uh, later on. We do know that the market is currently monopolized by the three entities, Moody, Investor services started in poor and fetch. And John, as per your analysis, most of these entities we found wanting. They have been accused of making judgment errors in rating structured debt securities, but also operating biased business model in, in an oligopolistic market. Could you just maybe just unpack that for us? What does that really mean? They're looking at the countries that they're, they're trying to give richer people, often in the Western world, uh, an assessment of whether these countries are investworthy or, or safe. They tend to look at countries with long track records, like a 100 years of track record, and, and make a judgment on that. And so you could argue they're risk-averse towards developing countries where the majority of the world's population is working and growing. And so that when they make these assessments, they're not really talking to the countries that they're assessing. They're not necessarily understanding the context. Being saying they're prejudicial might be unfair to some very good people within them, but I think the effects of that are. And therefore, how do poorer countries who are struggling to grow and understand their, their issues in the countries, which may be quite volatile and compared with some of the other countries um, in the Western world, although we've maybe seen the opposite recently, how do the, the emerging countries have a fair deal? Uh, which is why, obviously, the Pan-African Credit Rating Agency has been founded. But even that, the question is, is will that be credible? And so we're stuck in a very difficult hole here. You know, we're working to get out of things. Any problem that emerges in emerging countries may be exaggerated or, or catastrophized. And so they get an unfair deal. You know, just people who are working hardest to get out of the hole are trodden down again. 
So it's a difficult issue. And when you don't have any real governance, although in South Africa there are some laws, I understand, to uh, to give some sort of accountability, although they're weak. When you don't have any real governance, I mean, who's to say that these organizations are, in fact, independent and fair? So the dialogue that's been open now is a very healthy and timely one. Thank you very much for those very interesting observations that you have made. We're going to take a quick break. You'll come back just in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Thank you for joining us. We are having a very fascinating and one of the main conversations that we're going to have on the show regarding the landscape of um, rating agencies. I'm joined online by Jolie Banzi Mazia, who's the COO for the newly established Sovereign Africa Rating Agency, as well as John Foster Pidley, who is an executive director at Business School. Before we took that short break, John made a very interesting observation about the context, about the unfair deal which the major markets are receiving, and also issues around the questionable independence of these sovereign and um, these rating agencies, which are predominantly Europe or Anglo-Saxon based. This would, in my view, give a sense of a basis for a business model, which I would imagine you, Ms. Mazia, is your value proposition. Take us through your, your thinking. What is the gap that you have seen in the market and how do you propose to close this particular gap? Because business, it's all about identifying niche opportunities that can be exploited. Take us through your thought process in terms of your unique selling proposition based on the gaps that I imagine as a result of the analysis provided by John here. Yes, and I have to agree with the analysis provided by Jonathan. After um, uh, the, 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 the meeting that took place earlier this year, where the, the talks about um, Pan-African Credit Rating Agency uh, were revived, and um, Senegal's president, Mekisal, expressed dissatisfaction um, of the systems used by, by the international credit rating agencies, uh, there was, however, a challenge from the Institute for Security Studies, Southern Africa, and the project leader, Lisa Lowe Vaudran, she explained that the need for such institutions to be independent or perceived to be so was going to be among the hurdles that establishment of Pan-African Rating Agency could face. Uh, however, Southern Africa Ratings does not have this issue because we are an independent entity and we have a focus on such countries. And in terms of the, the issue of what causes this dissatisfaction is that credit ratings are used in the determination of borrowing costs. And therefore, an additional opinion in this, I need to stress independence here, it's much needed and beneficial for both the investing markets as well as the rated issuers. Uh, this additional opinion will provide investors with more relevant information uh, for their research and bring about the stability on pricing of borrowing for issuers. Sovereign Africa ratings, we have a focus on the developing markets, and therefore current sovereign methodology is designed to provide fair assessments of creditworthiness by considering the repayment track record among other indicators for which the natural, the natural growth rates are also considered. Uh, so just to explain this natural growth rate theory, we can have country A, which may be at full employment, uh, which means it's efficiently utilizing all of its resources to reach a certain GDP growth rate. But that does not mean that um, country A should be penalized for having 
a lower GDP growth rate than country B, which has a different set of combinations uh, when it comes to resources and therefore may have a higher GDP growth. You might find that both countries are at full employment, but because their resource endowments differ, um, it now boils down to how they're managed and um, all other variables need, need, still need to be considered. So the credit rating outcome will, however, always be based on the country's credit worthiness, that is, its willingness and ability to meet its financial obligations. Thank you very much for that insight. You've also raised a few pertinent issues around, you know, the different value proposition that you are, you know, that you intend to provide for the market. And you're looking at, at material endowment, which is a slightly different um, entry point, if you like. Uh, let me bring John here. In, in, as, in as far as the when we debunk or probe the rating agencies ecosystem, we know we've got banks, financial institutions, we've got uh, government institutions, we've got academia and research organization. What are the typical issues that you reckon, you know, this sovereign Africa rating agency is likely to experience in the value chain of the rating landscape? That's a question best answered in a sense by, um, by those who have a very deep understanding of, of the inner workings of these. But you know, in broad terms, I would say that, um, you know, you've got, you've got very good people in these agencies. Let's not, let's not demonize them, you know, and, and a lot of people work with great sincerity. In reality, how good are these people at understanding some of the complex dynamics of emerging markets? And how good are they at really sort of, um, understanding how, how new economies need to get off their knees and upwards? You are going to find a lot of things aren't going right in those economies. You can see that in South Africa with ESCOM, with with all the issues around governance and what the Zondo Commission was revealing and talking about. These are shocking events, and they also can be very sensationalized. But what they don't notice are the other people working hard to build companies, to build institutions of work. You're an increasing amount of free press in, in some countries. And so you're always going to get these sort of ups and downs in emerging countries. Um, and the human... Human tendencies is to look at the downs and, and think of those as permanent states and think of the ups as just ephemeral kind of transitory moments. Um, and it all depends really of how you're analyzing things. Of course, they're trying to produce reduce risk for investors. And the risk analysis often, I think, uh, and this is the way I see it, tends to underestimate the upside. In fact, there's plenty of analysis of this from, you know, game theory and from even from Daniel Kahneman has talked about this. And so the upside is seeming to be less rigorous. You know, being optimistic is often seen to be less rigorous as being somewhat cynical and critical. And I think there are some quite deep tendencies in these analysis to take these points of view, um, because if people are slightly negative and it gets better, then nobody's really going to blame them, probably. If they're over-optimistic and things don't work out, then they'll probably be in the firing line. But that's not really helpful in a complex emerging world. In countries like South Africa, that have so many deep institutional and economic issues. So we need ratings agencies that understand these um, concerns. Now, I think the rating agency has been set up here by Mr. Mazia and uh, proposed by, by President Makisal is a very good idea. Its challenge, of course, is going to have how, how does it build credibility? 
And I think we all need to get behind it and produce the research and the articles and the support for it. So it starts to build credibility. But of course, you can only build credibility on performance. And so one of the things this agency needs to do is be very effective in its pronouncements and very good in its analysis and and not um, fall into the trap of being um, overly Afro-optimistic based on on lack of um, substance and rigor, but it does need to dig deeper into the dynamics of these emerging economies and and highlight the green shoots of growth and allow those to grow rather than pouring the cold water of downgrades on them. And um, maybe it's not even pouring any water of the downgrades on them so that those initiatives shrivel and die and never get to see the light of day. Interesting observation, John. Um, I just want to make a follow-up on view some of the few critical points that Mazia, in his capacity as the CEO of this newly born baby, um, is likely to give us a response uh, for now. First and foremost, you're saying the analysis, the, the, the credibility is the currency which the, the newly born baby needs to establish. And secondly, credibility, based on your assessment, among others, can be cemented through generation of good articles, good analysis, and analysis, as you're putting it, needs to look at the upside, needs to uh, give um, insights on what are the possible good things that I that, that are likely to emerge. Uh, just try and balance of the negativity that is often being projected by historically dominating agencies. So, Mr. Mazia, based on this overview presented by John, how do you go about building credibility? How do you go about doing giving us as the general populace, a good analysis and based on the dynamic nature of the emerging market. Your response to that, please. Yeah, so our approach is to actually issue quality ratings and research because we believe that the most valuable currency, the most valuable asset of a credit rating agency is its uh, credibility and reputation. And the quality of its outputs will actually determine that reputation to the market. And we are also looking to actually provide more clarity on a lot of issues that end up being swept under the carpet. Things like the issue of pro-cyclicality. You would note that since the, the credit ratings that are issued affect the pricing of bonds, for example. You find that a country has a few factors that they need to actually sort out. Uh, however, as you know, uh, for all countries, the, the cycles, there's business cycles, there's times of prosperity and then there's times of recession. And then this keep going up and down. However, um, the multitude of these heights and lows, these booms and troughs, It's sometimes exacerbated by these credit ratings. And um, what usually is not noticed is the rating outlooks that come with the credit rating because an outlook indicates the likely direction of the upcoming rate. So now, if you have a lot of countries with a negative outlook, investors start acting on that. You know, they start pulling out investments if they have to, especially if the rating is going to... Um, non-investment grade, uh, for example, or maybe too deep in the speculative grades. They start pulling out their investments 
and then this deepens the recession for that country. However, you would find that there are structural reforms that are being done during that period, but at the end of it, they may have less foreign direct investments, and therefore they have a deeper recession than they were supposed to. So there's an issue of procyclicality, and these are some of the issues that we want to actually put to light in our research. I'm glad you raised the issue of structural reform because South Africa has had numerous structural reforms which the rating agencies such as Moody, Fitch and Southern Poor were asking for. For example, issues around the public sector debt is one issue. Restructuring of the state entities was another big one. When you are, we all know that structural reform is a process, not an event. To what extent do you think your assessment will recognize those kinds of nuances um, in your determination? For they will inevitably give either negative or positive outlook. In conducting the assessments, we will definitely look at these factors as well, much like the other rating agencies also do. However, it will be based on, on the analyst assessment to say how these actually affect the rating outcome, since we are always going to consider all the variables in terms of our methodology. Let me bring John back here. Um, and again, I still, still want us to sink our tip slightly more on the ecosystem, as it were. I mean, what would, John, what would your expectation be on governments, continent, you know, continental governments, in supporting these particular institutions? Well, I think there will be an immediate and sort of, in a sense, um, perhaps this is being unfair, but emotional reaction of great support for it because of the felt unfairness among some quarters of some of the ratings. You know, Africa has moved, I think, from maybe 31 or more countries being ranked, um, being rated from 10 in, in some years ago, 2003. And so these are coming more significant. So I think people will welcome it. But at the end of the day, you know, what, what ratings agencies do, they measure this sort of likelihood of countries defaulting on debts and obligations. And depending on that, they'll, they'll issue these ratings so that people will, you know, invest or not. And then the sort of variables they use are like per capita income, uh, GDP growth, inflation, fiscal balance, the, the uh, you know, current account deficit or not, the external balance, external debt, economic development. Um, but that's the tricky one because how do you assess economic development? And, and often um, they will use whether a country is classified as industrialized or not by the IMF um, and default history. So, um, you know, in COVID, for example, there was a great temptation to default or, or something to delay debt repayments to allow the restructuring to weather the COVID effect and the lockdowns. And that's countries were reluctant to do because of the effect it would have had on, on their ratings. And I think a lot of these measures, you could argue, are lagging measures rather than leading measures. And so when you're measuring the effects of actions that happened a few years ago in the current moment, it doesn't really scrutinize what's happening in the current moment to the change of future. So you could argue there's a bias in that respect. So I think you'll find that the countries will get behind it. But the really important thing here is to go global, find great research institutions and universities who will address the the issue of of shortage of information and data, which plagues African countries, um, try and address that. Find surrogate measures that might be more helpful for investors to show economic growth tendencies, um, to be more measured in their reaction to 
cyclical ups and downs because, you know, you can have high ups and high downs. What you're looking for is a trend line over a long period of time. And, of course, African countries are, are short of that trend indication compared with other ones that have been measured for many other years. So I think we really have to get behind this, but also do it very openly and say that we're not doing this as an African reaction to support a, you know, an overly um, sort of emotional view of what Africa Africa and all its many countries means, but to provide really good measures, interesting, useful measures for 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 world investors to understand how emerging countries do really work um, and to indicate to them, in some cases, these ratings are working against the countries and creating the very effect that they are, they are purporting to be measuring in advance. So I think um, we need to get behind, but we really need the researchers and universities to get behind this and do international collaborations with credible universities and um, and entities to to build up a way of assessing this. And I think it's a great opportunity to shed light globally on the challenges of emerging economies in a much more positive and useful light. I couldn't agree with you more. Thanks for that insight, John. Uh, we're going to just, again, we'll pay, our, pay, pay our bills. We'll come back just in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back on this glorious uh, morning. We're having fascinating conversation as we shed spotlights on the ULSW's rating agency for the continent called Southern Africa Rating Agency. Uh, to that end, I am joined by its founding COO, uh, John, uh, as well as executive director at uh, um, Handy Business School, John Foster. Before we took that break, John gave us yet another insightful thought processes that is going to be needed. At the face value, he supposition is that African countries in the main are likely to experience a knee-jerk reaction, more of an emotional support for this newly established entity. However, um, credibility would not be based on emotions. Credibility is based on hard facts. Uh, It's based on analysis that is thorough, analysis that looks at the entire value chain as it were. Because John raised a very passionate issues again between the did on on issues such as lag indicators and lead indicators and extent to which most analysis really are found wanting on the lag indicators as it were. And he also made a very interesting observation that Entities such as Sovereign Africa Rating Agency needs to partner and collaborate with a credible institution, be it academic institution, research institution, and the work for that is the probably one of the biggest um, arsenal that would enhance uh, their credibility. Let me hear from Mr. Mazia. What are your thought processes in relation to these issues? Firstly, take us through how you're going to navigate a very dicey and murky environment between merging of indicators or the disparities between what you know now as lead indicators and lag indicators. And secondly, take us through your methodology in terms of enhancing credibility based on collaboration with well-endowed institutions, research institutions. Take us through that, please. 
Right. If I may, I'll just start off with the the collaboration with the researchers as well as um, universities and institutions um, of that um, note. Definitely welcome this because it presents an opportunity to actually make improvements every time we actually review the methodology. So in 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 practice, uh, credit rating agencies are required to. Uh, review their methodologies at least annually. And I think we can actually get a lot of um, insights from the academic um, sectors so that we, we are able to factor in all these inputs uh, into improving our methodologies going forward. Also, when it comes to the risks or, or issues in, 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 in the developing markets, yes, the, the measures, um, most of them are lagging because um Credit rating analysis does look into um, historical figures and then opinions are formed based on, on that um, as well as uh, forecasting as, as well. And um, Africa has a peculiar issue. Let me just say developing markets have, have a peculiar issue in certain countries of the availability of information, for example. You would find that certain states don't have certain data readily available uh, maybe it's issues on the side of collecting the data and so forth. And these are risks that Sovereign Africa Ratings has noted. And for every risk noted, there are mitigants that we have to put in place. And therefore, example, we can solve a lot of issues, including this one, through monitoring. So because of our locality, uh, we'll be able to have more frequent engagements with the rated entities and this monitoring really helps to to actually ensure that we have the most current information at all times and um, we have factored in all this relevant information to actually give a quality opinion at the end of the day. You raise a very pertinent issue, which the, I suppose it bedevils most of the African um, countries, that is rigor of data. And for you to make an informed decision, it has to be evidence-based. And in absence of data, uh, it's perhaps maybe um, the reason why most of the rating outlook for the continent um, has been negative, given the fact that they would have made their decision based on the data that is not reliable or the data that countries can't interrogate to justify all questions. From that end, one would imagine that partnerships would obviously start off building sufficient depository of data through institutions. This is where perhaps maybe John will come in, that any company to do better, it needs to uh, build the capacity, research capacity, data capacity. John, your take on that? It's a huge issue. You know, getting quality data um, requires, you know, a lot of infrastructure, a lot of understanding. And some of the things, you know, not all this measured matters, not all that matters can be measured is, is the argument here. I mean, I know that's a trite way of saying it, of course, and um, I'm not for a moment saying that the agencies aren't very robust and, and very thoughtful and professional in their approaches. Of course they are. But the reality is that, you know, 95% of the market for the ratings agencies is controlled by three companies, Moody's, S&P and Fitch. And so it's it's... You know, you could argue they're monopolizing the credit rating market. Um, and in mm-hmm. fact, in the past, they've been, uh, they've been held to task in 2008 for anti-competitive practices. That's a while ago. 
Um, the other thing is that um, Moody's, I understand, only has one office in South Africa, which covers all 28 African countries that it gives ratings to. That's not enough. You know, you're not going to understand the dynamics of a market by sitting in, in New York or even in Johannesburg and doing desk research and not really burrowing into those markets to understand what's really going on, and especially when there's a lack of data. And, and to find that data, you've, you've often got to get in the country. You've got to understand it. You've got to have a, a sense of nuance. So it's, it's a great temptation to put these rankings, which are plausible and, and can hold water, but actually in the final analysis are not particularly sometimes nuanced or understanding the real advantages and the niche advantages in some of these countries. So we really do need to have a better and deeper conversation. And that's why I welcome um, this initiative for a pan-African financial rating agency. Of course, it's fraught with problems. It, it could very easily become a mouthpiece for just a, a sort of thoughtless um, African I'd say very easy, I thought it was African optimism, a bit of propaganda, if you like, and it must not do that. And I'm quite sure it won't under the leadership it has. It needs to be something that, that really addresses this issue of shortage of data. You know, there are people like uh, Greg Mills of the Brenthurst Institute who've written about these issues a lot and understand them, but you'll find that they will get into the countries. They will really understand. They will visit. They will spend months in there um, understanding what's going on. So I, I really welcome this conversation. I think that good research and, and, and a good challenge and a strong voice and opinion that's backed up by a different view of what should be measured, you know, maybe some other proxies, um, will actually change the nature of these other agencies. And I hope will undermine this um, really appalling oligopoly of of, um, of of rating, of global ratings held by just these three countries. We really do need more people. So I'm, and I think we must all support this, in my view, um, but we must support it in a way that makes its uh, work more credible and substantial and um, and finds ways to uh, gather that data and and thinks of ways through um, African collaboration. I'm hoping that the African Continental Free Trade Area will will help us gather better data too. So it's a good initiative, and um, together we must find ways to 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 get the right sort of data and be unafraid of collecting data that sometimes is unpleasant for us to review because it doesn't say all the things we wanted to say in the short term. But, you know, we have to make reality our friend and you have to build on, on facts, not, not, not um, fantasy. Absolutely. As we gravitate towards the last part of our conversation, let's take a quick turn. We'll be back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance. Uh, you have just joined us. Uh, you really need to grapple or, you know, give us an opportunity to follow up on this kind of conversation that we're having. We're putting a spotlight on the newly established rating agency for the continent called Sovereign Africa Rating Agency. And I am joined by its founding CEO as well as uh, the executive director of Henry Business School and giving us really thought-provoking insights on the nature of the business and, and so what are the, some of the greater challenges that um, the newly born baby needs to navigate. Mr. Mazia, uh, you're, you're, as we gravitate towards the end of the show, um, you, and my sense is that you have picked up a number of actionable items that will build towards the credibility that you need. What would you say are the key biggest ticket items that you begin to build on um, in, in amidst issues of data 
and credibility of data uh, or reliability of data uh, in an African continent, which is a huge um, issue, as John has correctly pointed out. Yes, central to us is is to ensure that quality is always of a high level. And when it comes to data, um, that is very important to to us to ensure that um, it's always um, from a credible source. Uh, all the data that we use um, has to be from from credible sources. And um, if or well, when it comes to, because I know in certain instances we'll actually have to go in ourselves and collect data, we are definitely uh, ready to do that. And also the collaboration with the research houses um, as well as the universities, um, as well as other um, institutions uh, such as the African Development Bank, for example, um, there are there are a lot of strategic partners um, uh, to actually have and and we we can actually um solve this data issue pretty soon and i will mention what we will not do and that is something that has been done in the past is that uh because certain credit rating agencies are always risk averse uh when it comes to the african continent what would happen is that when there's a um a bit of uncertainty uh regarding uh, the, the data quantity or quality, what would end up happening is that a conservative approach to the ratings would, would be employed and then um, lower ratings would be given just because of that uncertainty. And when it comes to Southern Africa ratings, however, we would rather not give a rating unless we feel we have adequate data of the appropriate quality. Absolutely. Uh, John, um, your party short as we wrap up this conversation. Firstly, I'd like to wish Swelly and his team uh, the absolute most uh, best wishes and support in this venture. Um, you know, obviously, you. call on many people, us as well. I'm also chair of the Association of African Business Schools, um, and we really support this. I'm also chair of the um, British Chamber of Business in Southern Africa. We also really support this. It's an interesting thing that, that of all these sort of challenges to downgrading, none by African countries, none have been successful. And that's, you know, the rating agencies, which are private entities, really are both player and referees. You know, they they um, are, you know, judging their own thing. There was a great article in the conversation by Emmanuel Dunant on, on this. And some of the solutions for this um, could be that, firstly, we really need to get legislation in African countries to ensure that the credit ratings are properly regulated on a part with international levels. Uh, we can't have people who are, who are playing in this in this market without sufficient regulation by governments. That's the, that's the role the AU can can take on that we must actually collaborate with. Um, and we also must come together to be responsible for making sure that credit ratings, you know, have the appropriate legislation enforced to make sure that their guidance and and etc is properly implemented and and done done so transparently across africa i'm sure they are in many senses but this needs to be legislated and we should also create i think um, perhaps a continental regulatory body with teeth and with international representation as a platform for appeal for countries um, who feel that they're unfairly downgraded. And those countries that are downgraded, I mean, you can't just 
challenge it because you don't like the rating for no good reason. They've got to have a sound platform on which to challenge it. But the measures we're using at the moment are arguably not sufficient to account for some of the some of the nuances of, of emerging countries. And this could be the equivalent of the European Securities and Market Authority or the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. And if we put these legislations in place and, and this oversight in place and do the right research and start working on the data, I think we will have a really good opportunity to set up an African rating agency, which will have credibility and therefore teeth and will be helpful to investors and the countries. Because what's happening is now is that the agencies actually can be trigger happy with uh, with uh, downgrades, um, can push the countries into crisis. And that also plays in the hand of the of the less uh, credible, the less ethical populist politicians who can take um, a powerful place in countries, which will take them further down. So this is an important point and something I think we must all get behind. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much for that, Sir John. It's, as always, your contribution um, to the show is greatly appreciated. I certainly think the listeners uh, would have absorbed quite a few uh, points that they would take up in their own respective space. Mr. Mazia, your parting short as well, literally in 30 seconds. Yes, uh, just based on what uh, Jonathan just mentioned, yeah, regulation in, in Africa when it comes to credit rating agencies, you find a couple of countries license them, but there's no supervision. Uh, however, when it comes to sovereign Africa ratings, we are licensed and regulated by the Financial Sector Conduct Authority. And um, the, the FSCA has a memorandum of understanding with ESMA, that's the European Securities Markets Authority, and they regulate the credit rating agencies in, in, in Europe. They also consider the FSCA's legislation to be as stringent as, as the one that ESMA employs. And this means that uh, should there be a credit rating agency um, that operates both in South Africa and Europe, um, the, 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 the one in Europe can endorse the credit ratings issued by, um, its partner company in South Africa. And those ratings can be used, uh, for regulatory purposes in, in, in Europe. So, um, it, it, it's quite, um, stringent legislation that we have and it manages, um, all these conflicts of interest that we've discussed earlier and other attributes of, of a rating agency. Thank you very much. Uh, gentlemen, we're going to have to leave it here. We have run out of time. Once again, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. Thank you, and thank you, Jonathan. There you were. Those were the um, inputs uh, from my guest this glorious morning. We uh, we had Mr. Mazia, who's the COO at uh, the um, Sovereign Africa Rating Agency, joined by John Foster, who's an executive director at Handling Business School, giving us insights on how to navigate this very turbulent and dynamic, if not complex, uh, landscape as it were. Let's do this again next week. In the meantime, be safe and shalom.